Hello everybody and welcome to the Australian Seller Podcast. My name is Chris Thomas and I'll be your host and this is the show where we talk about all things Amazon and e-commerce, whether it be private label, wholesale, dropshipping and how you can generate a recurring income either on the side or as a full-time gig. G'day, g'day everybody. Today I welcome back for the third time Gary Huang from the Seven Figure Seller Summit. Now, Gary pre-records almost all the sessions for the event that will be happening in just a few short weeks from now, so you'll get the inside running on all the latest tips and strategies that seven-figure Amazon sellers have been and are using right now to grow and scale our Amazon businesses. Now, this year, the Seven-Figure Seller Summit starts on the 28th of Feb, 2022, and runs until the 4th of March, 2022, and best of all, it's free. So get on board for that. Just head over to theaustralianseller.com forward slash seven, that's the number seven, FSS. Okay, Regina Petabersky and I are holding on the weekend of the 18th, 19th and 20th of March this year, 2022, called the, an event called the Amazon Collective. Now, the conference will be held off-site at the beautiful Yarra Valley just outside Melbourne, and it's strictly for seven, well, for six, seven and eight-figure Amazon business owners based here in Australia and New Zealand. It's not really for newbies or beginners. Now, thank you for your support and to our amazing sponsors, Zonguru, FBA Prep Australia, Avask, Dom and Bateman, Elevate Brands, and of course, our friends over at Payoneer. So please, for more information, head over to theaustralianseller.com forward slash collective to apply. Now, don't forget to join the Facebook group. You know, what you got to do is you know what to do. Head over to theaustralianseller.com forward slash Facebook. I'm offering, still offering private coaching. So head over to theaustralianseller.com forward slash Chris. And uh, if you own or work for a consumer products brand, need some help running or setting up your Amazon business, please feel free to get in touch with me. I have a new agency called Amosphere, A-M-A-S-P-H-E-R-E.com.au, which also happens to be an official Amazon service provider. So head on over there and get in touch with me and I'll see if I can help you. Um, anyway, let's get on with the show this week with Gary Huang. Back on the show from the Seven Figure Seller Summit. Gary, how are you, buddy? I'm doing great. It's great to be back, Chris. How's it going? Good, man. I think this might be your third time on the show from memory. Wow. I, uh, I feel honored. I feel honored. <laughs> I hope I'm doing something right to, to get invited back. So, yeah. Always. Yeah. Well, you are the gushing wellspring of life itself when it comes to selling on Amazon. You interview some of the biggest sellers in the world on Amazon, as well as many service providers as well. And of course, the Seven Figure Seller Summit is coming up, uh, what's that, the end of the month? I think the 28th through to the 4th of March, is that right? That's right. February 28th to March 4th. It's coming yeah. up online. So like a whole week of, it's an Amazon festival, a week-long festival of Amazon stuff. And it's free. Yes, yes. I mean, I feel like this year is really the Wild West in e-commerce. I mean, on one hand, you have the golden opportunity, Amazon still blowing it up, e-commerce is exploding, and also with exits. But on the other hand, it's very unpredictable, just like the Wild West. There's all these different pitfalls with the whole supply chain fiasco that's ongoing, the increasing PPC, and you know, I mean, you name it. So we <laughs> try to get some of the, the top seven-figure sellers to share the strategies that are working right now so everyone else can you know, 
know, survive and thrive this year, 2022. So that's the theme this year. Man, that sounds like a really good theme for our show, actually. Let's find out. Let's, <laughs> let's pick your brains because you've interviewed a lot of sellers already because you pre-record some of, some of the episodes, don't you, for the Seven Figure Seller Summit. So That's right. That's your right. brain is exploding yeah. right now with hot tips. That Let's see if we can get an inside sneak running on what's happening in the Seven Figure Seller podcast, uh, podcast, the Seven Figure Seller Summit coming up in a couple of short weeks from now. So, all right, well, you mentioned logistics. Let's Kind of. Let's talk about that to start with. What are some of the challenges that sellers have been facing in the last 12 months, indeed, probably the last two yeah. years? And what are you, what's your crystal ball looking like? Yeah, well, with logistics, I mean, I don't, I don't know if there's a silver bullet to this because, as everyone knows, the whole supply chain perfect storm that we've been going through for the past you know, year and a half to two years, ever since the pandemic, container costs, we're seeing upwards of $20,000 a container from China to the US, not to mention all of the delays, you know, like ships are stuck at the ports in Long Beach. So if we if we take a step back before we tackle the issue of logistics, I feel mm-hmm. just on the high level in terms of the whole mindset that I'm seeing many of the seven figure sellers approach 2022, I feel like to succeed, you really have to kind of have like like a execute or die mindset. So going back to the Wild West, it's almost like, you know, two guns, gunslingers out in a duel and whoever's going to be the quickest to the draw, right? Resiliency, speed, mm-hmm. you know, whoever can pivot the, the fastest is the one that's going to the, the one that's going to win. You know, you don't want to be too slow to react. Otherwise, you kick you could get blown away. Right. So. You know, resiliency mm. and speed. You can't just skate on by anymore. I mean, we have bigger, bigger, you know, aggregators mm. like you know, like all of the the big players out there. I mean, you it's really hard to, you know, I, I hate to say it, but you can't really out Thrasio Thrasio, right? I mean, they're <laughs> no. obviously, you know, they're if you want to exit, they they're paying like very nice multiples, but you know, they have mm. like you know, like a dream team behind them. So but you it's, really got to be resilient and, you know, you got to pivot quickly and focus on speed. Yeah. Yeah. Look, it's not just Thrasio either. I mean, there are now literally 50 to 60, 70, God knows how many aggregators that are out I, there. I think it's at least done. triple digits. It's Chris. crazy. I mean, yeah. there's more and more coming up, you know. Um, but going back to your question about logistics, mm. you know, we're still seeing the high cost um, for the shipping containers. We're still seeing delays even after Chinese New Year. Um, you know, it's, there's still a lot of uncertainties, but I feel that a um, couple of things I see seven figure sellers doing successfully. Um, one is since costs are still running very high, mm. you really got to focus on your profitability. Now, you mm. really have to know your numbers even more than before. I interviewed a um, an accountant that works works exclusively with e-commerce, you know, seven figure sellers, mm-hmm. um, Anna Hill. And then she says this year, profitability is everything. I mean, Mm. The whole purpose of your business, Chris, you know, is to meet your your personal financial goals, whether you want to, you know, quit your nine to five job, whether you want to spend more time with your family, you know, have flexibility mm. to pursue your passion projects, um, mm-hmm. you know, profitability is everything. So, you know, that starts with supply chain, right? Mm. I, mean, I mm. feel like one of the things um, besides the shipping costs is, you know, you can renegotiate with your suppliers, right? You know, maybe it's pricing, you know, mm-hmm. some people, maybe they haven't discussed p- pricing in a long time with their suppliers. You know, as you scale your business, there's economies of scale. Yeah. And there's also, you know, things you can discuss involving payment terms, right? If yeah. you can open up cash flow, um, you know, most sellers go with, you know, 30, 70, 30% deposit, 70% after shipment. Mm-hmm. You know, over time, I've developed trustful relationships. I'm able to get 
you know, I can post payment like 30 days after shipment. So mm. if you're able to ship, you know, get, you know, send out that, that payment, that purchase order, if it's like a 10 grand, you know, purchase order, imagine mm. if rather than front loading it, if you can have an additional maybe 60 days, what you can do with that money, right? I mean, you can invest more in PPC, you can offset some of those shipping costs or Absolutely. You even, you know, pay yourself, um, you know, a nice salary, you know, if you're, <laughs> if you need it, right? So, yeah. I mean, well, there's all these. Yeah, the yeah. other advantage I was yeah. going to say was that you can potentially start selling those items before you've even paid for them, right? That's that's the big one. That's exactly. Where you get massive amounts of leverage and obviously that's how exactly. the biggest that's sellers right. are able to that's work right. those terms and get those sort of, you know, 30, 60 days so they can get product to the US or to whichever marketplace they're selling in and be able to start generating some cash flow around those products before they even need to pay for them. So that's right. That's quick way right. to scale then, on that front. Yeah. Sorry, yeah. man. Keep yeah. going. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. No, no, no worries. I mean, that's a great point. And, um, you know, one of the more creative ways that, that we're seeing get you know sellers get around the whole supply chain is um one example of um what a couple seven figure sellers are doing ken wilson and david Schomer, mm -hmm. they were able to look at ways to cut the cost of goods sold and then they shared a complete roadmap on how they self-manufacture in the u.s yes. so previously they sourced from china um, you know, they were dealing with the tariffs and then the whole supply chain mm -hmm. perfect storm. And then they discovered that they, if they actually move their sourcing to the U.S., mm -hmm. even though the labor cost in the U.S. is higher, they were able to cut their product landed costs. You know, after you factor in all the tariffs, the duties, the delays yeah. and, you know, the lead time. Mm -hmm. um, and then they were able to cut the lead times from four months deliver from China to mm -hmm. down to four days. Like they literally shared like that they bought like their barn across the street. They live in the Midwest. They live in a right. the rural area. They bought their neighbor's barn. It was a mess. Like they just like cleaned it out and then they bought tooling equipment. Like at that time they were novices. They didn't know how to use it. So they made a lot of phone calls. They did a lot of research and literally they were able to move their manufacturing to the US. And I wow. mean, obviously not Everybody can do no. that. I mean, depending <laughs> on your product, if you're, you know, but for certain niches, uh. it is an opportunity, right? So, you know, I love what these creative sellers, like these seven-figure sellers are doing mm. to look at ways to kind of offset the logistics. And we're also yeah. seeing nearshoring, you know, there's more interest sourcing from Mexico yes. because it's a lot closer. It's yes. a lot cheaper to ship and, you know, it's a Canada. lot faster as well. Yeah. Canada, yeah, it's we're seeing option. opportunities yeah. as well. So, I guess, I I guess mean, the issue You got to pivot. Yeah, well, the issue for us international sellers here in Australia is that it's very hard for us to get a barn in the United States and start putting equipment in it. But yeah, I absolutely see your point that um, yeah, yeah, there's there's real advantages to at least shipping. Oh, sorry, from sourcing out of the United States. In fact, I'm looking to do it at the moment. the The mm. shipping cost from from China for one of my products is the same amount. Uh, in mm -hmm. by slightly less than the actual you know the production cost. So. Uh, you know, if I can get that product made in the US, I think I can. You know, it might cost a bit more to manufacture, but yeah, the lead times and the shipping are all removed, including tariffs, of course, too. So yeah, yep. it's, uh, it's definitely yep. something to look at. And Thompson Net obviously is one place that you can look at, but yeah, trade shows, all that stuff. There's a lot of ways that you can source out of the United States, and and uh, yeah. Yeah, I think Tim's right. actually. We spoke off air about Tim Jordan, who's doing the Walmart Project W, I think, on YouTube at the moment, but. He's also, is he running a sourcing expedition down to Mexico shortly, I think? Is that him or is it somebody else that I read about? I, or I've, heard, I've heard something about it. I'm not sure of the details, yeah. but yeah, I know there is a lot of interest sourcing from Mexico now. Uh, anyway, interesting. 
Um, okay, so and I guess on the other side of this, you talked about cutting costs. Are you seeing sellers putting prices up? I mean, there's quite an inflationary impact of all of these additional costs that we're incurring at the moment. Yes, yes. There, that is a really good question, Chris. Um, talking about pricing, um, we actually invited a, um, a specialist mm-hmm. um, who runs um, an agency that actually um, helps optimize pricing. And, mm-hmm. you know, especially as we're seeing right now in the U.S., inflation is at a 40-year high. Mm-hmm. And, you know, a lot of sellers, they're, they're scared, you know, like, you know, I, I've, you know, I've had this fear myself because if we raise our price, what if people stop buying, it drops my rank and my competitor is going to take the whole market. Right. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, um, I, I spoke with a, a seven figure seller, Jason Hanan. He, mm-hmm. um, he's been, he's the co-founder of AZ seller kit and, you know, he's been selling on Amazon since the early two thousands yeah. and he shared how to price higher to earn more profit. So he really walked through like the steps that you can take to experiment, to test, because, mm. you know, obviously every niche is different. I mean, mm-hmm. like the concept that he, he uses is price elasticity. Mm. Um, so it's kind of like, like a rubber band, you know, it's like how far you can stretch that price before it breaks and customers stop buying from yeah, you. Yeah. So he really talks about that. I really love that presentation because many sellers, they're just either fearful or, you know, they're, they don't want to touch it, but mm. like, you know, he works with sellers that are, you know, I think he, he helps manage like $500 million of Amazon sales per year. Gosh. And, um, but yeah, but definitely there is an opportunity guys, if you haven't already, because if you think about it, like, you know, offline retail in the mm. States and even like, you know, just like going to a mm. restaurant or, you know, buying food and stuff, all prices are up. So mm-hmm. if you're not adjusting your price and you're, you know, you have margin erosion with your additional, you know, costs, that's mm-hmm. not a good thing, right? No, so I, I think there, there definitely is a lot of opportunity, and I highly recommend everybody check out the session with Jason Hanan. Um, mm-hmm. He's, I think he's not very well known. I mean, he was referred to me by someone, but like he really mm-hmm. gave like a really good step by step process. Like you know, you can you know raise your price by this percentage, and you know if something happens, then you, you got to like, drop it down. And mm-hmm. yeah, I think that's a that's a golden opportunity to instantly boost your profit that many sellers aren't taking advantage of. Totally, and, and that will be the focus of the fourth day of our summit because okay. every day there's a different theme. Yes, and you know, um, day one is all about the mindset, the fundamentals. Mm-hmm. Um, um, you know, we talk about resiliency, um, mm. talk about product launching, like, you know, new strategies in 2022, because, mm-hmm. you know, last year, obviously, with the TOS changes, there's no more search find buy, there's no more rebates allowed, mm-hmm. uh, no rank manipulation. So we're seeing, you know, sellers come out with new strategies in mm. 2022, like Chris Rawlings gave a really session, really good um formula for that and then uh brandon young is coming in as well with deep keyword research Mm -hmm, um mm -hmm. you know the kind of all of the the benchmark he uses and he also shared a little bit about his new tool data dive that works very well for i mean it saves a ton of time 90 seconds you can get like a like a snapshot of the whole market landscape Mm. with all of the the keywords and you know usually it takes us like days if not weeks to do all that yeah you know so I, i think that's another um you know really cool that mm. that a lot of sellers are using so um so sorry sorry for the aside i got i mean it's it's a stacked agenda but day four is all about profitability on march 3rd so if yep. you guys want to like profit more highly recommend that you Absolutely. guys check out that day yeah. yeah super important are you doing anything on the product sourcing 
uh, side of things as well at the moment or yeah 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 do you mean me personally or do we have people speaking about that that's right yeah sort of you know product research i'm assuming and then obviously um from there then it's, it's yes, kind of sourcing yes. and negotiating with with those suppliers yeah. yes we, we we just confirmed a new speaker mm-hmm. um erve hai ming mm-hmm. he's a um product development specialist he's based in china he's mm-hmm. in uh dongguan south china yeah and then um in his session he really gives a um, inside look at product development ways to speed up the the launch process continuous quality control um so i think that session will be useful for a lot of like more intermediate to advanced sellers you know as you're trying to scale as you're trying to add new products you know there's like you know a lot of ways you can save time it's almost like the um like the minimum viable project like product yeah. min- minimum viable product you know yeah. kind of like the lean start the lean mentality. Setup, eric race yeah, yeah i, I yeah. think I, I think that the main thing is you get a glimpse of how like these like sourcing experts in China are just like doing things so so much faster than mm-hmm. like everywhere else because China moves so fast and you know people say like Shenzhen is moving faster than Silicon Valley you know it's, mm. you know it's kind of it's kind of crazy but um, it is but yeah. Yeah, yeah. What about I, I don't know if you, you yeah. Well, yeah. I was just going to ask, yeah. are you doing anything in terms of sourcing from other countries? Obviously, India's been on the on the radar, well, certainly above yeah. the radar now for a few years uh, since Meghla Badwaj has really pushed India um, and then now has the India Sourcing Network, et cetera, et cetera. Vietnam's yeah. also a bit of a go-to at the moment. I've got uh, one, two clients now that are sourcing directly from Vietnam and shipping yes. across the United yeah. States and beyond. So, yeah, yeah. What, what what's happening there for the Seven Figure Seller Summit around sourcing and, and countries and whatnot? Yeah, so we're still seeing most of the the development coming from from China. Um, mm-hmm, we're mm-hmm. seeing sellers that are uh, that are using India as well. So as we know, our friend Megla, she's one of the the go to experts for the India sourcing trip and the mastermind. Mm. Um, you know, India is very strong with um, certain type of uh, raw materials like the mm. wooden products, the handmade products, certain metals. It's not as like, you know, um, automated and like, you know, no. machine intensive as China, but it's more manual. So, you know, it's more of a one of a kind, more mm. um, handmade, know, um, almost like handmade bespoke mm. type product. Mm. Mm-hmm. Um, Vietnam, you know, we do see a lot of the big players sourcing from Vietnam, you know, the Nikes, the Under Armors, mm. but um, I personally have not sourced from Vietnam, mm-hmm. but from the experts I've spoken with, they tend to, the manufacturers tend to, uh, prefer larger volumes and mm-hmm. not, not as like, you know, MOQ mm-hmm. heavy as Amazon sellers, if you know what I mean. Yeah. So there might yeah. be pockets of opportunity, but it may not be the best fit for everyone. Um, you know, we talked a little bit about sourcing from Mexico as well. Um, Susana Bermudez is mm-hmm. a, uh, Latin America sourcing expert. She gave, five best practices sourcing from Mexico. You know, she talks about the differences sourcing from Mexico versus China, you know, some mm-hmm. of the cultural differences. Um, there really isn't an Alibaba, but there are ways to to still source products uh, from Mexico. And I think one of the, the beauties of Mexico is that there's not only no tariffs, there's, you know, there's a free trade agreement mm. between the U.S. and Mexico. So mm. you, you instantly, you can reduce both of those parts and not to mention the closer shipping. Um, so, you know, immediately you could have like, three things stacked in your favor yeah but obviously mexico still doesn't have like you know 
well, no country has the depth and the breadth of product selection yeah. as China does. No. But there might be certain opportunities if you're able to source from these countries and your competitors are not sourcing from them. Mm-hmm. Then you that's one way you can differentiate yourself, right? Because right. it's it's not just as easy as going Alibaba to to find that. So okay. those are yeah. So that, that's kind of like a quick overview of um, what we're seeing from the sourcing side. Let's talk about Mexico just for one second. I know nothing about Mexico or sourcing from Mexico. What what are they kind of renowned for? Is it sort of like India with wood and textiles and metals, or is it do they have electronics? Yeah, that's, that's a good question. Um, they do. I'm trying to recall from um, you know Susana Bermudez. She's from Costa Rica originally. She mm-hmm. runs a sourcing agency that focuses on it on Mexico. So some of the Typical products manufactured there are um, home textiles like bed sheets, quilts, wow. uh, women, men's kids' clothing, uh-huh. um, also toys like water beach toys, outdoor toys, mm-hmm. inflatable toys. They have wooden toys as well. Mm-hmm. Um, home decor, gardening, mm-hmm. furniture, uh, ceramic stone products, copper products, natural fiber, and also health. Uh, they do make supplements. They have some uh, medical equipment, exercise mm-hmm. equipment, some um, herbs, healthcare products, and then some others, including handcraft, eco-friendly um, foam type products. Interesting. Um, also shoes, yeah. shoes, and also foods. Obviously, you know avocados, yeah, tacos, yeah, yeah. So they Inchalana. they run the gamut. They run yeah. the gamut. All right, yeah. that's a pretty pretty. Um, Comprehensive list of of uh, categories, I suppose. There, I probably would steer away from shoes unless you really know what you're doing. I've had some clients who've tried to sell shoes before, and it's just gone. Yeah, um, hasn't gone well. Yeah. Let's put it that way. But you know, sometimes you just got to put your hat in and see how you go. Right, right. I'm going to switch gears for a second because one of the things that we talked sure. about right at the very top of the show was the aggregators and their impact on Amazon selling on Amazon. So for us, sort of smaller, you know, third party sellers that are looking to maybe exit to one of the aggregators one day. They've got yeah. very deep pockets and there's a, a – I wouldn't call it a rumor. I'd, I'd say that it's probably pretty accurate that they are spending money hand over fist on Amazon advertising and, and forcing the price of PPC or uh, pay-per-click um, pretty high for many categories and many areas of Amazon. So how do you see the aggregator market playing out and what is the sort of not just the sponsored advertising impact on the market but other impacts that aggregators are having – in terms of categories and and for for the rest of us sellers that are on Amazon, yeah, I, that's a really great point, Chris. And we are seeing you know, a rise in PPC cost. I've spoken with Ritu Java; she's the co-founder of PPC Ninja. They're an agency mm. that works with many top sellers, and she says just based on her own clients that she works with. I mean, they work with hundreds of sellers. Year on year increase from last year to this year is about 23% in ad spend. Gosh. So we are seeing more ad spend. And um, anecdotally, I've been hearing the same thing because it kind of makes sense if you think about it from the aggregators perspective, their goal isn't necessarily to make money in the short term. They want to, you know, beef up their brands. They want to like you know, mm. um, package them together and eventually sell them to a bigger brand. Okay? Mm. So mm. profitability isn't their biggest thing. So they have obviously deeper pockets than we do. Mm. I mean, they, some of them raise like north of $2 billion. So, you know, they're yeah. willing to put a lot of more money into their whole PPC ad spend campaigns. Um, so that that's what I'm seeing in the effect of PPC. 
Um, in terms isn't it, of the, isn't the, it ironic, just quickly, yeah. that they expect us to have high profits and then when they get hold of our businesses, they just start running them at a loss? <laughs> it's just, yeah, it's just I don't know if they're running them at no, a loss, not, but they, they probably have more of a growth mentality That's than right. like mm. a profit mm. mentality, you know. Mm. But, but mm. yeah, yeah, I mean, Sorry. yeah, you're right, you're right. Um, yeah, so mm. going back to the second part of your question, um, I'm sorry. Can, can you repeat the second yeah, part of your question? Look, yeah, it was such I a rambling. Yeah. It was such a rambling yeah. question that uh, I've actually probably almost forgotten myself. But it's not just yeah. PPC. But they, the aggregators also have a real good advantage too. So let's sort of say, for example, when it comes to shipping, they can consolidate their shipments for different brands that they carry on in China. Have all those products finished manufacturing, be sent to a port, and all be crammed into a single forty foot container. Whereas we would be. Um, you know, sort of doing an LCL or maybe some air freight and maybe a bit of a container. You know, we're, we're trying to get our just-in-time inventory across from China or India or wherever we're sourcing from. These aggregators seem to have the the scale of economy to be able to consolidate shipments and, um, and, yeah. and you know, all that sort of stuff as well. Yeah. I, I would say, yes, um, in some respects, they do have an advantage with the economies of scale, exactly what you said. I mean, mm. they're, they're moving probably like dozens or even hundreds of containers, containers. so they can consolidate mm. versus, you know, sellers, you know, maybe like in like one container, you know, a month or so. Yeah. Uh, but on the other hand, I, I don't think they can pay as much individual attention to each brand mm. as, you know, like a like a private label seller like you and me, Chris. Mm. And also, you know, we're able to, I feel like we're like little speedboats and they're, they, they're becoming like the Titanic, right? I mean, mm. after like, you know, that big thing and we're like, you know, we can pivot more quickly when we spot new opportunities. So That's good I point. don't think it's, it's game over for us yet. Um, <laughs> no. But I do think they, they do. I mean, in terms of the numbers, like kind of scale, they, they do have an advantage, but I mean, but I mean, going back to your earlier question, I believe you were asking about exits and, you know, what we're seeing, um, you know, right now. And um, I feel that, the end game, you know, for a lot of sellers is selling their business. You know, mm -hmm. we've seen, we featured many speakers that spoke at a previous summit, like let's say two years ago. And mm -hmm. then, you know, this year they just exited. So they're kind of giving us like a, a complete story about, you know, mm -hmm. what they were doing before and why they decided to exit. Um, and we are seeing multiples upwards of 5X to even 7X um, EBITDA, earnings before interest, tax depreciation, amortization, you know, yeah. profitability, you know, from buyers like Thrasio. So, um, you know, it is a, a golden opportunity if you do it right. Mm. Um, you know, I, I've spoken to um, sellers such as Paul Miller. He's a seven-figure seller. Yes. And, um, you know, yeah, he works Paul. with a, a number of, mm. yeah, he, he's a great guy. And, you know, something he shared, I think is very valuable is mm -hmm. you, you really got to, if you want to sell your business, you have to build a roadmap to your valuation. So you have to put down on paper, you know, what's, what's your goal? Like how mm. much do you want to net in your bank account at the end of the day after the exit? And this is after taxes, right? So mm. that's number one. Number two is the time, you know, when do you want to sell it? Do you want to do it in 12 months and 24 months, right? That way you can have a, a time frame for your goal. So it's more yeah. realistic. It's not just like, you know, like a, like a fantasy, no, so to right. speak, right? And then you really have to break it down to the nuts and bolts. You know, how are you going to get there within that time frame? So mm. let's say you need to launch six products in the next 12 months. And then you have to consider how you're going to get there. You got to consider the capital that you'll need, you know, in terms of cash flow, which is mm. really the lifeblood of your business. Like, do you have to take out some more loans? Maybe it's Amazon lending. Maybe it's talking mm. to your local you know, 
Bank or SBA in the U.S. Mm. Um, so these are all ways that you can begin with the end in mind so you can hit that goal. It's, it's not just a matter of, you know, just continue to sail blindly because there's a lot of things you have to um, you have to consider to get there. And, and there's also mm. ways that, you know, sellers are um, increasing their attractiveness to buyers and, you know, and also certain red flags that, um, you know, you should avoid as well that can turn off potential buyers. Um, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. It is a, yeah, it, it is a very um, exciting time to, to be an e-commerce seller. Sure is. I remember the years ago too, when you were talking about the aggregators coming in, it's the end of, you know, us third party sellers. That, that was the same, I think, when the Chinese st- sellers started coming in, we were like, started to panic. They started to get very, yeah. very good at what they did on Amazon. Yeah. Just, I think we're still early mm, in the game in e-commerce. Same. I mean, if, you know, like there's always going to be the doomsday, doomsday mm-hmm. like, you know, the people, I mean, you know, they, they, I mean, like, you know, back, back then, I mean, when we first started, like when I first started, eBay was number one. I mean, back in the 2000s and yeah. the Amazon FBA didn't even exist. No. And look how far we came now. And um, oh, it's know, enormous. It continues yeah. to grow. It does, and, yeah. You know, I, I think we're still in the early innings. I mean, if we talk about baseball, I, I don't think we're in the, the late, late end game. <laughs> not quite yet. You know, there's still a lot of room to grow for, for everything. And, you yeah. know, like one of the, I mean, talking about the future, like crystal mm. ball, um, you know, obviously I'm not, I don't have a crystal ball, but I think one of the more interesting things is in terms of advertising, like we're seeing almost like offline, online, like a hybrid model. And mm. one of the best examples is with Amazon and how they own Whole Foods Market in the US, which mm-hmm, is, mm-hmm. you know, a premium supermarket chain. And nowadays, you know, with their advertising um, DSP program, mm-hmm. um, if you use DSP, you know, one of the sellers on Ritu actually gave us um, like inside look at the, the portal. Yeah, you right. can actually target Whole Foods Market offline customers, like based on their shopping behavior That's crazy. for your Amazon products. So mm-hmm. if I'm, you know, I'm selling kitchen, I'm selling like a coffee product, I can target people that specifically bought like X brand of coffee in store to show... Yeah. No, at, oh, sorry, at, not at Whole Foods. Foods. At Whole Foods, sorry. Yeah, not Whole, not Walmart. <laughs> Amazon doesn't have Walmart data, as far as I know. But I'm sorry, they you know, started... because they own Whole Foods, right? So you're yeah. able to target, you know, from online to offline. I mean, I see there's so much opportunity that's untapped yet. Um, mm. So, so yeah, I, I feel it's 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 super exciting, and mm. you know that's why we're inviting you know all these sellers, uh, e-com experts to really share what what's working right now in e-com mm-hmm. at Seven Figure Seller Summit and. Um, highly recommend everybody grab a free Absolutely. pass, you know, like total, like shameless plug, um, you Go know, because that, that's the goal, right? I mean, we, we were voted favorite Amazon event two years running, um, mm. in seller poll. Mm-hmm. And I feel like, you know, I try to curate the right speakers, like the real people just mm. doing it. And also the e-commerce experts to really show you what sellers are doing right now to succeed. So, mm-hmm. um, highly recommend you guys grab a pass at, sevenfiguresellersummit.com yep. um, and yeah we, we have some live events as well to to meet other sellers and um, yeah yeah we're That's super great. excited and yeah yeah I was just going to say like the amount of value that you bring to the table every year for free is just extraordinary which is why it's such a delight to have you on the show every year <laughs> and we should do it I think every six months don't you that'd be even better to just get yeah, a bit of a yeah, state, of the, state, of the, state of the market or state of the yeah. union. I mean, e-com years are like dog years, Chris. Yeah, like think, every year is like seven years. Yeah, you know? <laughs> just compressed so, into one. Yes. Yeah. yeah. It just, yeah, it's crazy. Gary, I know that you're short for time. Um, we have hit our time and I'm pretty short for time as well. So we'll keep this one. A short game is a great game. And uh, thank you so much for coming on the show. How do people get in touch with you really quickly? 
Excellent. Thanks so much, Chris. Yes, they can email me at gary at 8020sourcing.com or they can reach me at over Instagram. I'm Gary Huang, H-U-A-N-G 8020 over Instagram. And you're also a member of the Australian Seller Facebook group as well, I'm pretty sure. So uh, you can uh, reach out to Gary that way as well. So good on you. Yes, yes. Excellent. Thank you so much, Chris. Good on you, Gary. Great to catch up and uh, let's chat soon. And good luck with the summit in a few short weeks. Awesome. Awesome. Much appreciated. Links and show notes for this episode can be found over at theaustralianseller.com forward slash podcast. Don't forget to subscribe on iTunes, Stitcher or your favorite podcast platform. Sign up to my email over at theaustralianseller.com and I'll send you a note each time I publish a new podcast episode. Thanks so much again for listening.